0: What does it mean to be locally owned and operated? For Senex, it means everything. It means that we know if you take your coffee to go or if you like to stay a while. It means we've helped little leagues get jerseys and local festivals get funding. It means we know what our communities need. So you'll always leave Senex with a full tank, full of snacks or full of smiles, or all of the above. And that means the world to us. Senex, powered locally.
1: Derek is the new superintendent in a large unified school district. He wanted to hold the district accountable to the same standards they hold students to, to level up and surpass expectations. So he earned a doctoral degree in education online at Grand Canyon University. Now he's taking charge and making measured improvements. What do you think preparing students for success looks like? GCU offers over 175 high quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. This is the Cubs related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan. And Brendan, we all asked for baseball all off season. We talked about how much we miss it and how much we can't wait <laughs> to have baseball back on our TVs. And I, I think the universe heard us, Brendan, and it responded by saying, here you go. You asked for it. So um I knew I was not ready. I, I knew that, it. I knew it. Yeah, that was certainly an opening day weekend. It was is, an experience to say the yeah, least. Yeah, is about my summary of that. So the Cubs dropped two of three to the Texas Rangers, and I, I think there is a lot to break down in this series. It was there was a lot of good and there was a lot that was bad, and we're going to touch on all of it. We'll, we'll start by looking at these three games, giving a, a quick run-through of the box score, and then we'll take it piece by piece and kind of jump into what we thought was the most important stuff and things that are worthy of further discussion. Uh, but to start. The Cubs and Rangers opening on Thursday, and it's it's a weird weekend, Brendan, especially because I would say that this first game goes about as well as you could have asked it to go. John Lester gets the win. He goes six innings, giving up just four hits, two earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts. He did allow a home run, and I thought it was a perfectly fine start and pretty emblematic of what I would hope for John for the rest of the year he was not great by any means he's not going to win a Cy Young with a performance like that but he was solid he made in-game adjustments and he kept the team in the game which is perfectly fine so that I thought went really well the offense uh, as I said they win 12 to 4 in this one exploding for 13 hits Continuing the idea that this went about as well as it could have, Javi Baez hits two home runs in this game, drives in four, immediately starts the season looking about exactly like he did last year in his uh, runner-up to the MVP season. Chris Bryant takes a low pitch the opposite way for his first home run of the year. He drove in three, so those two things together are I think you know immediately had most of us thinking giddy up for this offense like Brian's out here blasting oppo bombs day one Javi's already on his 2018 thing again this looks great Rizzo took three walks in this game David Bodie went two for four in this game Zobrist one for two in this game Jason Hayward two for five with an RBI in this game Albert Amora two for six with an RBI from the leadoff spot Mark Sagunis getting an opportunity in left field to start this game, coming through with a hit and an RBI, this looked good. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brendan, but like when we talked after the game on Thursday and kind of let it linger on to Friday, we were like, this was great. Which, this was about as good of a start as we
0: could have gotten. Yeah, which makes the last two games like kind of a – gives you a sour taste because there was so yes. much good. And that first game does start everything off and – yeah, for reasons that we'll get into it just it leaves a sour taste in your mouth which makes you want those wins because
1: the offense was so good Corey. i think a sour taste is putting it lightly brendan uh things take a turn <laughs> after the off day on friday and i'm gonna add the preface here i love a good preface if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time you know i love uh before we get into things kind of Making sure that you understand the context and where Brendan and I are coming from. These are the first three games of the season. Okay. So this is the sample we have to go on. We are not going to overreact or make, you know, season altering conclusions based on three games here. As far as I last look, the New York Yankees were dropping two of three to the Baltimore Orioles. And I'm pretty sure they're not going to pack it up in New York and call it a year. So, I just want to throw that out there that like, these are the games we have to go on. This is the performance we have to discuss and break down. But by no means is this an indictment of the whole year or, you know, anything more than just looking at these three games and trying to figure out what just happened. So with that said, Brendan, we move to Saturday. And the Cubs offense comes out looking hot again. They spot Hugh Darvish with a three-run lead, a Javi Baez RBI single, a Kyle Schwarber RBI single, and a Wilson Contreras uh, RBI single as well. Gives the Cubs a three-to-nothing lead in the top of the first, and it kind of just went downhill from there. I... Am not positive how much more could have happened in this game for this to be like a worse debut for Darvish on the season. I, there's certainly versions of this that would have been worse, uh, but this was, you know, juxtaposed with Thursday. About as bad as it really could have gone for Darvish, uh, though he he does seem to be healthy. And I know you wrote an article on CubsInsider.com. You can kind of help us break this down. But he doesn't get out of the third inning. He he goes two and two thirds, allows two hits, three earned runs. Uh, He did give up a home run, four strikeouts, and the big number here is seven walks. The command was just not there. It wasn't a, you know, an atrociously wild start, similar to some of the ones we saw from Chatwood last year where you're wondering if the guy has any clue where the ball is going, but just not that fine feel for his pitches, especially his fastball, just could not get that where he needed it to go. Taken out. Uh, Steve Ciszek gets that last out in the third inning, and then the ball turned over to Jose Quintana. Uh, we had talked about Joe not laying out the rotation for these first couple series because there was that off day on friday in the texas series and then the cubs have another off day i believe on tuesday in the middle of this Braves series so kind of an odd spot for the rotation because obviously you don't want lester sitting around for seven eight days before he pitches again but you do want to get quintana in there a lot to digest and they have since answered these questions but just sort of giving the context of why it made sense for quintana in this game he gets hit by the Braves, and he is really good against the Brewers, who the Cubs play afterwards. So I think that was their thinking that we're in a weird spot with these days off in the rotation anyway. We've got some innings to burn. Hey, Jose, like, why don't you make your season debut tonight? Uh, he goes four innings, gives up six hits, two earned runs, three walks, and eight strikeouts in this one. I thought all things considered a pretty solid effort from Quintana, given that you know he obviously was not Uh, I don't think expecting to necessarily be used in this game, ready for it, I would imagine, but not thinking that he would be coming in in the fourth inning of this game. Um, The offense puts up six again on the uh, Texas Rangers pitching staff, which in general you would hope would be enough to win the game. In the third, Wilson Contreras with an RBI double that put the Cubs up four to one The Rangers narrowing went to four to three on that uh, aforementioned Astro Ball Cabrera home run in the third. Kyle Schwarber with his first of two home runs on the weekend made it five to three. Jason Hayward a sack fly six to three and we would head to the bottom of the seventh where a Shin Su Chu single would make it six to five and then the eighth inning happens folks uh, and it was not good and unfortunately this was a Carl Edwards mess that we are all too used to seeing, and and after I, I finish with this game, I'll, I'll ask you about this in particular, Brendan, uh, but Edwards replaces Quintana with a one-run lead. Elvis Andrews with a single to center. This was a, a seeing-eye single. It's, it's unfortunate that this is kind of how it all started to unravel because this was really not a well-struck ball but finds the hole uh, and Andrews gets on. Nomar Mazara walks and then Joey Gallo puts one to the moon. Uh, Brendan, I got to be honest with you, this might be the worst pitch I've ever seen. <laughs> if you go back and watch this uh, pitch to Joey Gallo, a guy that, you know, makes his living off of hitting home runs, a low average slugging home run hitter. Uh, and this one was gotta be a contender for the worst pitch I've ever seen like I said uh that made it eight to six Texas and that is where the game would stay so the Cubs dropped this one in frustrating fashion uh we'll we'll we'll, we'll move on to the next game because I think there's you know another litany of things to discuss uh but just your your general sentiment on this second game and in particular the the pitching, changes and usage uh from from madden and and the staff in saturday's game well i think the fact that madden did not lay out the rotation for the future series
0: gave you the sense that this was a possibility so like you were saying it's it's not it's not really that shocking that q came in it's more shocking that darvish pitched that way but the fact that q came in gave me a lot of like motivation Uh, i think it was a really great outing from Q. He was going in there right away, pumping 93, 94, and he was getting so many whiffs. I think there was one tweet in particular, I'm forgetting who put it out, but Q was among the best pitchers in the first two games for just overall whiff rate. That's encouraging. That may have been the best outing. I'm not saying this like in jest either. Might have been the best outing since he debuted in Baltimore. I really do think that. As far as Darvish goes, the, it, at first it was, it was a mixed reaction, right? Like you see the declining velocity as the game is going on. You see the, the progressively worse command of that fastball. But ultimately, the only reason to be extremely concerned about that is if there's an injury causing those poor pitches. Mm -hmm. And, the fact is, like, you will look at his release point. And there's no aberrations there. It's very clean. There's no deviation from pitch to pitch. That is who Yu Darvish is. Now, as the year goes on, you expect Darvish to hone in on that command because that's, that's who he is. And I think ultimately the reason why we saw that velocity go down as the game progressed was just because he was trying to, to locate, right? I mean, we, yeah. we saw it basically right away. So I think... The 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 cause for concern for Darvish, I think is pretty minimal. And I and I, I get if you are concerned, trust me, I do. But there were times and pitches last year, just before Darvish was injured, where his release point was extremely abnormal. And I and I showed that in that post I wrote on Compsider dot com. That wasn't the case. So I don't think he's injured. I don't think he's fatigued or whatever for whatever reason. The command was not there. And that's what happened. I don't think it's anything to be, you know, stressing over and losing sleep over this early in the year, Corey.
1: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the deal with Darvish here was that it was kind of an all eyes on him situation. So I think the reaction is is a good bit stronger, just, you know, and for better or worse, like he did have the year that he had last year. The injury came up. He was not effective when he was out there. And, you know, given his contract and everything surrounding him, it's it's gonna be one of those starts where everybody's looking at it and ready to pick it apart, you know, like a the ravenous pack of wolves. You but know, I mean, does when, that concern you? Like are you actually concerned and if you are it's No, fine, I'm but... I'm saying the opposite. It's it's a bad start. It was a bad start in the opening series in and you know, you hope his command is better, but it, it just is what it is. I'm just saying, like, I think this is just one of those times where all eyes were on him. There was a lot of pressure put on this start to kind of, like, redeem last year. And if it doesn't go well, you know, it's, it's going to be... A negative reaction. It's it's to be expected. Uh, but and you knew that 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 fastball command was poor right from the start. I mean, yeah. the first nine
0: pitches, six of them were sliders. And I think I messaged you and Evan. I'm like, yo, what is yeah. go- what is going on? He was with not
1: seeing the fastball pretty clearly. Yes. and I, I think it's just one of those like we we, we got to give these guys more than one start. That That's why I offered that preface beforehand. It's like when the Cubs lose two of three to open the year and the pitching staff is walking guys left and right and, you know, the Cubs scoring all these runs, I think 28 total runs Ugh. in three days, and that's not good enough to get you more than one win, it's going to seem like a a negative analysis, right? It's kind of hard uh, not to, but it's just, I mean, this is what happened. So it it just kind of is what it is. My my thing man is and and it's the same thing. We need you you got to give him more than one outing, but we've said this kind of all off-season as it related to Carl Edwards and at some point folks, he's going to have to either prove he's not this guy or the Cubs are going to have to move on from the idea that he's ever going to be. And what I mean by that is, this was another one of those outings where you can kind of see it start to unravel before it goes the distance of blowing the game. And I understand the notion to think, like, well, you can see it unraveling, Joe should go get him. But I'm going to push back against that. I- I'm going to say kind of what Joe said after the game. Like, this bullpen is structured, especially with Moro out, Brendan, like, they need Edwards to be a higher leverage guy yeah. in this bullpen. Yeah. Like, who else is 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 supposed to do it? I mean, you Caesar know, can't so throw every inning. As much as we would all love that, right? And like, I, you know, if you want to look me in the eye and tell me that he should have trusted like Brandon Kinsler or Brad Brock more than Edwards, I'm going to call you a liar. So, at some point, Joe has to put these guys out there and ask them to do the job. At some point, this has to be put on the individual pitcher's shoulders and not Joe's for not tinkering the right way. It just, again, in general, I'm always of the mindset, and we've talked about this before with him, that you can see it sometimes with one pitch with Carl Edwards, that it's not there. You gotta go get him. Yeah, I'm with you. But at some point, you have to put him in these situations and say, look, dude, you're either gonna do it or we're going to stop trying this. But the only way to figure that out is is putting him in these spots. And when you're, you know, your starter goes two and two thirds, Edwards was going to have to pitch at some point, right? Like these guys have to get in the game. So I, I just, it feels, this whole weekend felt like kind of a no-win situation for Madden with the way that These guys pitched I I disagreed with some of the decisions. I think in hindsight, it's easy to say like, you could kind of see it going wrong here. And maybe you would have liked to put the fire out earlier. But at some point, like this was always a concern with this bullpen going into the year. And you need these guys to perform at some point. You can't have a quick hook with everybody in the bullpen except Steve Ciszek, right? right? Like, at some point, these guys got to get outs. So that was... With CJ, that one is
0: concerning for me, just because his performance is so integral for the Cubs' success. And it's not just that one performance that's concerning me, it's really his his complete portfolio right now. Like he's throwing mm-hmm. Corey. Two miles per hour slower than twenty sixteen. Yeah, Joe said that he noticed that too, was concerned about that. That, that is very that's very concerning to me because yeah. the only way Carl is successful is utilizing that ninety six to ninety seven mile per hour fastball with cutting action. He loses that velocity, he loses those whiffs. <laughs> and he's able to to escape some of those command issues because he has that nasty fastball. So yeah, like the bullpen right now, that I think all of our confidence levels are are pretty low. They're lower when Carl is not what you expect and not what he was right. in 2016. So that's that that is the biggest takeaway from the bullpen for me. It's it's not that Montgomery came in, which you'll, you'll get into in recap and, and blew it. It's not that Shotwood came in and did not really look that good. It's the anchor of the bullpen right now goes through CJ. And if he's not there in the seventh or eighth inning, you're utilizing C-shook earlier. You're utilizing stroke earlier. And then after that, what's left? Morrow cannot go right. consecutive days. He needs to like really get it together, Corey.
1: Yeah, I, again, that that's kind of my overall point. Like we can, and we have before, nitpicked Joe's bullpen management. I, I'm not defending it totally, right? But at some point, like these guys are going to be asked to throw these innings throughout the season. At some point, somebody besides Steve Ciszek has to throw in high leverage spots. And you got to figure out which guys are going to be able to do it or not. And we've actually seen this in the past where there were times where, you know, Joe would bring in Jaime Garcia into a high leverage spot and you're looking around going, this is crazy, right? Who else is there? (laughs) and and it's also one of those things where last year they got a lot of meaningful innings out of Jaime Garcia and Jorge De La Rosa the only way you figure that out is by putting them in there and seeing if they can do the job so especially early in the year it stinks to lose these games this offense did not deserve the the pitching that was you know returned to them right but You have to figure these things out sooner than later, and and you know the the the, we've talked about a lot of these options, guys like Meeks, Webster, Maples, etc. Like you need to figure out quickly, right? Like either we're gonna get some good innings out of the guys that we broke camp with, or we're gonna need to kind of start that shuttle. Real quickly and and figure out who's going to be a player in this bullpen. But even but, then, that that's not that's not a reliable
0: solution. Sorry to, to sorry to jut in here. Well, just, I
1: I hate to I hate to break it to you, Brendan, but <sighs> the Cubs don't have any money anymore. So I mean, you know what I'm. Getting I, at. I don't know, like it, <sighs> huh? I say you know what I'm getting at here. It's just it's no, of course well, the urgency. I, it's it's so. This
0: was always the risk. This with is this always the risk, and I'm not yeah. over. I'm not overreacting. I'm not. I'm just. I'm, I'm seeing. Worst case scenarios happen and right now if except like if CJ's throwing ninety-three miles per hour, we have a major problem. And he was showing that in the second half of last year coming off of shoulder fatigue. He was showing that in spring training. This has been a this has been a prolonged issue for CJ. So what's the alternative? Craig Kimball is right there. Milwaukee is not going anywhere. St. Louis is not going anywhere. This division is tough. They're playing Milwaukee in a week. They need there, there's no room for shuttling back, Alan Webster and Dakota Meeks to figure it out. Those are not reliable solutions right now. So, again, I'm not. I'm this not, is what they've got. I'm man. not. Steer, I, I, I'm, steer, I'm with you. Yeah. I, um, this
1: was always the risk. Like it, it's, it's, it's not a strategy that, you know, as we discussed all offseason, is guaranteed to fail or anything like that. But when you've got a a bunch of let's see what they've got kind of guys. This is the risk that you're going to score 28 runs in 3 days and your pitching staff is going to piss it away. Yeah. And I think I think um, not having Brad Brock
0: there too as that as that reliable plug because like regardless of the contract, right? When Brock was signed, it did give the bullpen a sense of at least a little bit more stability. This this mono thing whatever happened loses that stability. So it kind of negates the signing to a degree at least early on until he gets his strength back. So mm-hmm. losing Brock gives
1: this bullpen a By huge... losing Brock, you mean him having to work back? Yeah, he
0: has to... I mean, he had mono like a month ago. Yeah. He has to work back. I could... I mean, my brother had mono. He was out for a year. He had all this excessive fatigue. So yes, that does have a negative effect on just the entire bullpen structure. So... I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's disconcerting I, I was just clarifying
1: because he did pitch in, in this series. I, and know up to I know he did. I know So he's not lost. I know, but I know, I know, you know what, what I mean. Is, he's not, yes, he's, he's not opening day. He's
0: not opening day ready to that degree. He's
1: not going to be in the yep. seventh inning right now. So that's, that's where they are. All right. So let's move to Sunday. Here, here's what I want to do, Brendan. I want to go through this game. And then the first thing I want to talk about after we get through this game is the offense because the offense was really good, really good and i yeah. don't think that this weekend should necessarily be viewed in an all only negative light right like yeah. the offense was really good and i think that's really important we can we'll, we'll obviously talk more about the bullpen in breaking down this last game but we can get back to the bullpen and the pitching staff as a whole later but i do want to dial in on how good the offense looked in this series so just getting to Sunday this is a a wild one folks these are the ones where I you know kind of have to like figure out as I go how to how to exactly break this one down um but the cubs take a 1 to nothing lead in the top of the second on Kyle Schwarber's second home run of the year i think that is certainly one of the more interesting uh developments from this weekend is how good Kyle Schwarber looked. Uh, in the top of the third, singles by Ben Zobrist and Chris Bryant gave the Cubs a three to nothing lead. And Albert Almora, fielder's choice, made it four to nothing in the fourth inning. And then the bottom of the fourth happened. And the Rangers getting one on a Cabrera sack fly and then taking the lead on a Delino DeShields grand slam. I'm going to pause here and I'm gonna jump in. Uh, Brendan, you know where I'm going with this. I think I have said on this show before that I do not get any joy when bad umpiring benefits the Cubs. I'll take it. I'm not going to complain about it, right? But I don't like the human element. I think it's a mess. And today was, today, Sunday, as we're recording this, was a really good example of this. Cole Hamels got out of this inning twice, twice, on pitches that later in the game started to get called strikes. And... To be fair, as I'm saying this, Lance Lynn, the Rangers starter, was also not getting these pitches, but Hamels is throwing strikes at the top of the strike zone. They're not getting called, and he has to throw one down the pipe, and it ends up for a grand slam. I, I, I don't like to always turn this into, oh, but the umpires thing, but this was a, a pretty egregious example of a pitcher doing what he needed to do to get out of the inning and keep the lead, and he just gets screwed, Brendan. Look, this is may this may have been what the the
0: seventh time we're pre- we're preparing for a podcast, like questioning whether or not we should talk about the umpires. Like this is it's it's an issue. Whether, yeah, I hate doing it, but it's I just it's it. a mess, man. It like is both a mess. these
1: pitchers are throwing strikes, and the pitchers and the hitters are left to just f- figure it out. I don't know. Yeah, and you it's know, just stupid. It's just
0: so it's so weird. It's so weird that MLB wants to focus on creating more action, creating a, a more faster game style, and Issues like these need to be addressed. Now, the reality is maybe going to like an electronic zone is not going to make the game faster, but there are instances where you have players questioning the umpires, managers questioning the umpires. That slows down the game as a Mm. result. So if you want to argue, oh, the whole pace of play thing, this could be one of the solutions. But regardless of that, this is so, it's so annoying, Corey. It's so annoying when you have every other sport from tennis from the NFL, from basketball, they rely, they review, they scrutinize each play according to their technology. And baseball doesn't do that on the one thing that influences every single play. Makes no sense to me.
1: I'm not even advocating for any solution, right? I don't get paid to fix this for the MLB. I, I just... We, we, again, we do try to avoid even bringing that up, but this is just one where I wanted to bring that up because I don't think Cole Hamels deserved this line. He goes five innings, gives up six hits, five earned runs, three walks, four strikeouts. I thought Cole Hamill's looked pretty good today. Yeah, I so too. Uh, he wasn't perfect, but I, 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 I have to bring that up because I just don't think he deserved that outcome today. He pitched well enough to get out of that fourth inning without being down five to four. That's my main point. And again, I'm, I will state it every single time. I am not a homer about that stuff. I think it's stupid when the Cubs get benefits from that. I think it's stupid when the other team gets benefits from that. So I I just, balls should be balls and strikes should be strikes and everybody shouldn't be left figuring it out as they go. Anyway, rant about the umpires (laughs) over the Cubs offense. Again, just did not deserve what the pitching staff did to them this weekend as they come back in the top of the sixth and regain the lead. Jason Hayward, Ben Zobrist, Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez all with RBI singles. The Cubs lead 8-5. to five. In the bottom of the sixth, it was Tyler Chatwood's turn to enter the game. He gives up a home run to Jeff Mathis there in the sixth, uh, but you know, looked all right in that inning, Uh, but unfortunately things would unravel further in the seventh with a combination of Tyler Chatwood and Mike Montgomery. Uh, The Rangers tying things up on a Nomar Mazzara triple that made it 8-8 with Gallo and Pence scoring, and then Astrubal Cabrera dinged one off the foul pole to make it 10-8 for the millionth time in this series the offense does what they have to do to get the team back in the game. Anthony Rizzo with an absolute bomb to right field in the top of the 8th. I think this one went like 434 feet. This was a a classic Rizzo just blast. Yeah. That made it 10 to 9 Texas and then Daniel Descalso who had a very good game today. Uh, he singles to bring in Javi Baez, who had previously stolen second base, and that made it 10 to 10. Pedro Strope, given the assignment in the ninth, uh, the Rangers get the winning run in scoring position on a ball that I'm pretty sure Ben Zobris should have caught, but right up against the wall, you know, uh, an unfamiliar park, I suppose these things happen. And he's advanced to third on a ground out, and he scores on a wild pitch by Pedro Strope, which, Brendan, sometimes <sighs> baseball is pretty on the nose, my man. And this was about as fitting of an ending for this one and to kind of wrap up this series as we really possibly could get. So the final in this one on Sunday, 11-10, to 10, Texas gets the win. And again, uh, to recap, that is a two out of three loss for the Cubs to open the season. Baseball's back, Brendan. Aren't, aren't we all, aren't we happy? But any, any lingering thoughts uh, from this game? Again, looking at Hamels or how the bullpen was used and anything that, that sticks out from you from this game before we move on to kind of talking about how good this offense was.
0: I, I really do think the, the pitching staff in particular with Hamels and Quintana and Lester, uh, Sans Darvish, of course. But I think seeing those three guys look pretty normal should be encouraging. And I think that might get lost just because justifiably so the offense was good, right? So like I thought Hamels looked pretty good. He got screwed out of a few of those pitches granted he served right when up to the Shields for a grand slam but outside of that one particular pitch he looked pretty normal Corey and that's that's encouraging and I think pretty pretty encouraging for just for the future and and, and this rotation I think there's a lot of concerns with the with the age of the pitching staff how these guys will come back with velocity And for Hamels, he was throwing 92-94, had a great changeup, great off-speed pitch, great breaking pitch. Overall, I I think there was a lot to like in this game outside of blowing the game with the bullpen, but from an offensive standpoint, from the, the starting rotation, those were good signs. And I think going forward, and to skew this now into a little bit more of a positive light, there's a lot to be excited about. And... If you just do yourself a favor and just kind of, you know, close your eyes when thinking about the bullpen and try to think of something else, there is still reason to be extremely thrilled how these guys performed in Texas.
1: Yeah, I think the offense is, it's hard for that to be the main takeaway when they don't win more than a game. But, uh, looking at this tweet from Tony Andraki from NBC Chicago here, the Cubs slashed 342, 430, 570 yeah. in these three games, scoring 28 runs on 39 hits, and they almost walked as many times as they struck out. 18 wow. walks and 21 strikeouts that is a really good performance from this team and like we said Javi Baez getting things started on Thursday hitting two bombs looking like you know that kind of version of El Mago that we've become accustomed to Chris Bryant hitting a bomb Anthony Rizzo hitting a bomb Daniel Descalso having a very good game uh, in his first start for the Cubs on Sunday Kyle Schwarber with two home runs so far on the year Um, And, you know, really, I think, again, this is uh, a Texas staff that is not really expected to be that good. And it's, I believe, either the most friendly hitters park in the league or or certainly has been there in years past. Um, But this looked like the offense that Jed Hoyer at times had talked about missing in the last couple years. This group looked relentless in these three games. They were taking a ton of walks, as I just mentioned. They were putting the ball in play and hard a lot of the time. They were wearing out the middle of the field. They put a lot of balls straight back through the middle. And you know, sometimes with defensive positioning, that's not going to be where you want it. But a lot of the time putting it back where it came from is is and hard is going to get you some pretty good results. They were hitting home runs, this was a really good showing from this offense and again we'll have to see how it carries you know you go face an Atlanta team now not in uh this Arlington ballpark whatever they're calling it now Globe Life Stadium or something like that whatever but I think for a three-game sample I thought that this offense looked really good and on the whole, I really liked what Joe did from a lineup perspective, which admittedly I wasn't necessarily expecting in the interest of <laughs> full disclosure, right, Brendan? But yeah. I-, I thought that giving Almora an opportunity against righties in these last two games was but, – but putting him at the bottom of the order – uh, eighth on Sunday and ninth on Saturday, I thought was a, a really good way to keep him in the lineup, keep his defense in the lineup and give him a chance to get some at bats against right-handed pitching and, and, you know, sort of show what he can do there. Uh, but not putting him in at the top of the order, which I think until he shows more against righties, I, I don't think that they should be doing. I think that that spot should be someone like Zobrist or, you know, one of these other guys, but I, I, I liked that and I loved in these last two games. I think starting things off with Zobris, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber is Letal. exactly how I would love to see it. Uh, and the other thing that I, I guess I glossed over just because he didn't play on Sunday, except for coming in late, uh, especially on that Saturday game. Wilson Contreras ripping some of those balls, just just putting a yeah. really good swing on them. I thought he looked good in this opening series um so it wasn't perfect and you know especially in that Saturday game you know kind of a disappointing finish to that game that they don't really do much I think it was uh you know beyond like the sixth inning after they got that sixth run they they you know kind of don't really continue at that pace for the rest of the game which is frustrating but on the whole on this weekend this offense looked as good as I think you could have hoped for them to and in every universe right their effort this weekend scoring 12 runs then 6 runs then 10 runs that every time you you take that no questions asked and it should have gotten you at least two wins if not three so i i wanted to really focus on that coming out of the game recaps because i think for as frustrating as this bullpen situation was and really the pitching staff as a whole right like stop me if you've heard this before the cubs (laughs) pitching staff is walking everybody and their brother like how annoying to be dealing with this same problem again but that being said this offense looks really good and i i think that that has to inspire some hope going forward uh because you know they'll tinker with the bullpen. They're going to have to. They're going to have to figure out who can play what role and, and which guys need to be a part of this bullpen, where everybody should fit. Um, but I thought the starting pitching was, I thought Lester was was really good, certainly good enough. I thought Hamels was pretty good today, uh, makes a bad pitch to the Shields. But as we discussed, he's kind of forced to go there. And I, I thought he looked really good. He threw, as we've seen you know, from him in that second half last year, some really good change-ups. He struck out Joey Gallo today on a changeup that was so perfectly placed. It's like yeah, one of those, yeah. if I'm playing MLB The Show, Brendan, and I hit that pitch like that, I'm like, oh man, that was perfect. Which you would never do. No, I'm not very good at video games. But... <laughs> I I think that that stuff, you know, can get figured out, and it's concerning, and we'll touch on it again, but I, I, I'm trying, Brendan, to make my main takeaway that this offense looked really good this weekend, they put up a ton of runs, and we even saw them, you know, show their their strength, their will, right? A few times in this series, like they did their best on Sunday to not let the pitching staff throw this game away. Multiple times coming back from blown leads and from a deficit. There's only so much they can do, but give me, you know, some some further thoughts on the offense and anybody in particular that you're leaving this weekend feeling really good about. Schwarber. Has to be Schwarber. Yeah. I think he's the the, uh, kind of...
0: Like how we're saying CJ was the anchor of the bullpen, so to speak, and things go through CJ. Same thing with Schwarber. That that lineup becomes more stable when he's at his best. So, yeah, man, I think I think Schwarber is it. Not just like the fact that he hit two homers, but that last one he hit, that Oppo shot, that was that was that was that was very encouraging. And to couple that with what Javi did, and even just the overall at bats from the team. They were way more patient. I think with Amora too and Javi, they both had, what, four pitch walks each? Or with Javi, maybe it was five pitches? Wh- whatever it was, they were, they were showing some discipline. I think that's also encouraging. But just to go back to your point, the lineup construction was starting with Zobris and then going to, whether it's Javi or KB or Rizzo in any order, then following up with Schwarber, then Contreras... That's a front six that, that rivals any lineup in the league, Corey. So that that's where that's where I'm at. I, I think the theme of the offseason was addressing that broken offense that Theo used the word over and over again, which was broken. And if that's a sign to come in the next 159 games, and you're seeing Javi go up, you're seeing Bryant. Hit Oppo bombs. You've seen Rizzo continuing to do what he does. Then you throw back in Schorber. Then you throw back in 2017 uh, Contreras. What else do you want? So, yeah, I, I it's it's so difficult to have the bullpen kind of skew this 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 weekend negatively, and to some degree, I do I do think that is an overreaction. I do think even I am overreacting the takeaway is the offense. It should be the offense. And coupling that with what you saw from Q, what you saw from Lester, what you saw from Hamels, those are the keys that will carry this team. And ultimately, you hope Morrow comes back. You hope Stroke continues to do what he does. You hope Sejak is the guy who he was last year. And you try to figure it out. But ultimately, if that offense does the exact same thing that it did in the second half of 2018, then we have more problems. The fact that it did not do that, that it does look like it's taking tangible steps to improve situational hitting, to improve not just hitting ground ball after ground ball as a byproduct of the situations. We're seeing Contreras drive the ball in the gap. We're seeing Baez go oppo, Brian go oppo with power. That is the most encouraging sign from the weekend, Corey.
1: I think that's, that sums it up. It's, it's, it's difficult when these games play out the way that they do, uh, especially after an off season of, you know, a lot of people worrying about this bullpen and whether it was going to do exactly this. But there was more concerns about the offense. I mean, am I misreading
0: that? I think everyone was concerned, okay, what's going to happen with this offense if Schwarber isn't a guy, if Wilson is really a 10-homer guy, if KB Shoulder is still
1: giving him problems? I think those were the main issues. Am I reading that wrongly? It's hard to tell. I mean, certainly, I think there were just as many questions about what we would see from the offense. I mean, that was the way... Theo's like topic in his season. Yeah, given the way that conference. the season ended, it's it's definitely fair to say that I, I think a lot of us were wondering, well, what exactly is going to happen? I think you and I were particularly confident in it, but given the way that last season played out. And the way it ends is, you know, and without major additions, it, it certainly was uh, worth, you know, not being sure exactly what we were going to see. So I, I think watching this weekend inspires a lot of confidence. They just looked good. I, I, I is is really my my takeaway from this. This offense looked good, taking walks, slugging. It it, it just looked good. That's all. Science so, of
0: twenty sixteen. It really does. Like it it does. I think from top to bottom, that is what you saw. And in 120 games in that 2016 season, the Cubs looked very similar to that. Grinding at bats, waiting for their pitches, taking the ball to the other field with authority. That is what we were used to seeing.
1: Yeah, 100%. I, I think that, you know, again, we got to see it continue and and play out against other teams, not in a ballpark like this, yada, yada, yada. But for, for a three-game set here, I, I think that the offense did pretty much anything you would want them to do. Um, but I, I think, all right, we, we, we have to get back to this pitching staff at some point. And I, I think the question, as we were discussing it, is how much stock do we put in the way that they perform early in the year? We, we heard from, you know, Edwards after the game on Saturday, basically saying like, First outing of the year. This is not how I wanted it to go, but we got to get back out there and move on, right? Yeah. So I guess the question is, you know, considering what we saw from Darvish and just the way that these games play out, what do you, where where are you with this pitching staff? Is this how much of this can we write off that it's the first weekend? How much of this is like a red alert, like code red? Certain things need to change tomorrow. Where where are we with this pitching staff? Pitching staff from a rotation point of view or just the
0: general staff, including All of papers? it. Just all of it. Yeah, I think I'm not going to go on here and lie to you guys. I think the bullpen does give me more concern, even though it is three games. And it's strictly because of CJ's performance. I, I mean, to the, the two mile per hour dip in velocity, the, by the way, his, his new uh, delivery is deemed illegal by Major League Baseball. So he can't do that anymore. So yes, I am concerned. You you combine that with Barack's mono, I, I keep saying this, but that does concern me. At the same time, I'm relieved to a degree seeing that rotation do what it did. And I, again, the whole Darvish thing, you can be concerned about that. I totally get it. But at the end of the day, he's not injured, right? So you just assume that he gets back the the feel for his fastball, the command for his fastball, which I think he will. So from the rotation point of view, I'm, I'm extremely encouraged. And to some degree, I'm even encouraged about Darvish just because he looked normal outside of that command. I know I've got to give that, give that, uh, that issue back in there, but that, that's where I am. And if, if you had to like really push me, I would say signing Kimbrell is almost like kind of a necessity at this point. He's, he's there. Um, I, I just don't see how this team can go. 159 more games without a healthy CJ Edwards or a 2016 esque CJ Edwards and relying on Morrow, who has been really struggling with injuries his entire career. So that leaves you with Strope. It leaves you with CJ. And like, I love Strope too, but he's also dealt with some odd injuries in the past. And you just need, you need more depth, Corey. That's, that's really what it comes down to. And, the the Tony Barnett thing, the Xavier Cedeno thing.
1: Those guys are still working back.
0: Those are those are problematic.
1: Yeah, I I, I think it's it's just a tough. These are a tough couple losses to take, Brendan. It's just very frustrating. And am I overreacting though? Like, do you do you think I'm overreacting to the bullpen?
0: Because I personally, I think I do. I mean, they just lost a game. I mean, I think ago, we. So I'm, I'm a little pissed. I off, think we like, do
1: need to see more. I mean, I think it's it's always it's it's never a good idea to judge things on, you know, just just a three game sample. And and I think that's fair to say with the offense too. Like, we can't just assume the offense is going to score. 28 games every three days right just because they did in texas so i like i said at the beginning i think this is just like this is the sample that we have so far this year so i don't really think it's overreacting i think it's just looking at what we saw and given the fact that again we we talked about this we talked about this when stroke went down in spring training with the uh, minor hamstring injury that this is the risk with this bullpen you did not go and get a bunch of super reliable, highly touted, you know, sure things to come out of this bullpen in high leverage spots. And one of the, one of the risks you run with that is that if your top guys get hurt, you've got a problem. The other risk with that is that you don't have any guarantee that some of these guys are going to be any good. And it's very possible and shouldn't be like otherworldly shocking to anyone if that's the case. So yeah, I, I I think I, I don't really think it's overreacting. I think it's fair to be really frustrated that the offense performed like this and that they don't get the wins. And it, it's got to be directed yeah. at the pitching staff. And I, I don't I don't really think it's even just a, a bullpen thing. I, I mean Lester's the only one of this group that goes six innings, and we talked about the umpire. For Hamels, I, I've already thrown that out there. But, you know, at the end of the day, he walks three guys too. He gives up six hits in five innings and the pitch count got up there. You know, he ends up throwing a hundred pitches exactly in those five innings. And. Yeah, but to, just to counter that though, like. I, I get that you know the walks to Grassland mm-hmm. I get it 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 he looked good though yeah no no no, no. I'm not just... I'm not saying that but yeah. I'm saying like when you ask your bullpen in the in two of the first games of the season right Lester goes six so you're only asking for a few there but when you're asking them to cover you know what is it uh seven and a third on Saturday and then another four on Sunday that's a lot of innings man in in a two game span and if you're looking for a a quick way to expose the, if you're going to, if you're looking for a quick way to expose the bullpen and the concerns you had about it, asking them to cover that many innings in the first two days against an offense like Texas in that park, it's, you know, probably not going to go that well, like as we saw. Um, but I, like I said, i i I do just have a tough time really trying to figure out what anybody wants from Joe in these situations. and i I see it kind of 50 Like I see a lot of people just trashing the bullpen and, you know, saying, "ricketts, you didn't spend enough money. This is what you get. yada, yada. And I see you know, another portion of people nitpicking every decision that Joe made. And like I said it, i I don't mean it to defend him totally. But at a certain point, especially early in the year, like, you got to get these guys out there and see what you have. Joe is not the person who put Tyler Chatwood in this bullpen, guys. Joe didn't sign Tyler Chatwood. He's in the bullpen. He's one of the eight guys that Joe Madden has in the bullpen. Therefore, he's got to use him, right? What is a good spot for him? And if you say, oh, he could have pitched when they were up 12 to 4 the first game. Okay, then who's covering those innings today instead of Chatwood? Yeah. Right. And you don't,
0: you don't, you don't know what the issue is with Brad Brock too. Like it's kind of peculiar that he did not pitch on Sunday, given that he did have that day off, and he did not pitch on what Saturday. So he, had he two did days warm, off. but
1: didn't get in the game. Yeah. So yeah, and they opted still, like for in Ciszek, that situation, already, you know, who's right. who's pack on his like? We're just gonna see how long we can keep throwing him every day until his arm falls off. Yeah, but guy. Who remains him. to still be really good? I mean, like, thank the heavens for Steve Szek just being Steve seriously Ciszek. But good you know, and like yeah. Montgomery's a guy too who like you know that's I, I don't think a lot of this is like Joe's call, man. Like you've got a couple of like stretched out starters, like long relief type guys that Joe kind of has to use in these spots, and this is kind of like what I said earlier. Like, I don't know if if Monty should be used like this like kind of that like lefty on lefty bring him out of the pen for these types of spots I don't think I love it right but are you gonna look me in the eye and tell me that Joe should have gone to Randy Rosario do I need to go and look up his numbers from last year like really and that's not even I, I don't even say that to knock Randy Rosario just that like miss me with the like we should have confidence in some of these guys that we absolutely should not have confidence in right the number suggests that's Monty's
0: spot I think Rosario has a lot of talent but he hasn't shown to translate that talent to deserve those situations so you're going to see Monty in those situations again from here on out like that's just how it is
1: Yeah, and it's it's disappointing too. Like you know, Strope didn't have an overall good series, but we know that he's a better reliever in that. And you know that it kind of gets us back to the crux of the issue here. Like you need Strope, sheck and Edwards at this point to be solid. Like this bullpen, as as we said in the off season, is just built on some shaky ground. And if those top guys aren't good. It, it shifts that burden elsewhere. And th- this is what I keep saying, like Joe's going to have to figure out who can handle it or who can't. And, you know, I, I th- they're going to need to be keeping their eye on this and be ready to address it. And whether that means bringing up other guys and giving them a shot, which is, you know, still just as risky of a, of a proposition. But it, it's very clear that this bullpen and maybe the pitching staff as a whole, though I am really not that concerned about the starting staff, uh, even with yeah. you know an overall like not otherworldly performance this weekend. But you're, you're going to have to figure this out and be ready to make quick moves. Uh, it, it It's early and you don't want to bang this drum too much, but they lost the division in a tiebreaker by a game last year. So I it's it's just tough to completely brush it off as oh it's the first series of the year yeah these are you know bad losses but they happen that's true but they're in a division where they have literally paid the price for blowing games like this before and I, again like I I don't want to live every game saying that like well they lost the division by a game last year every time they lose right like that's not the way to look at it but you gave these games away you you scored way too many runs to lose two run two games this weekend so it's just going to be it's going to have to be so what i mean is it's going to have to be something where these guys cannot repeatedly get opportunities and just blow it blow it blow it you're going to have to fix this bullpen quick if it keeps presenting a problem. You just you can't let them throw games away like this. You know, opening day series or not. You, you have to keep an eye on this and be ready to change it. Be malleable and get other guys in there if that's what it takes. Yeah. So let's transition to my very first season or
0: series preview of the season. On Monday, the Cubs will travel to Atlanta. Kyle Hendricks will be on the mound making his season debut. We'll be facing Sean Newcomb for the Braves. Newcomb is one of my, I think, favorite young uh, starters in the league. He has great stuff. That, of course, is not good for the Cubs, but still uh, worth looking at. So that game starts at 6.10 p.m. Central Time. The weather for that game is going to be beautiful. So it's going to be a 60 degree high, zero cloud coverage, and it's going to be zero chance of rain throughout the entire night. On Tuesday, they have a day off, a one of those baked in days off in case there's a rain postponement of some sort. Whatever, the Cubs will be back uh, on Wednesday at 6:20 p.m. Central Time. You'll have John Lester make his second uh, uh, start of the year. We'll be facing Julio Tehran, who is also making his second start of the year. Tehran, it's early season numbers, but he lost his first start. Gave up a few runs in that outing. And then to finish off the three-game set, Hugh Darvish returns to the mound on Thursday. Same start time of 6.20 p.m. He'll be facing Max Freed for the Braves. Max Freed was a first-round draft pick in 2012. He still has some good stuff, still pretty young. The Braves have a young rotation, and we will be seeing that. So I think keys for this game, and by the way, uh, the, the Wednesday and Thursday weather also look very good. Very little chance of rain. There's a 10% chance of rain on that Thursday game. The forecast does change, as you know. But ultimately, this series should be gotten in. Anyway, so keys for the game. I think ultimately you want to see Darvish come back, look strong. You want Hendricks just to go deep into the game, given that Darvish could not go deep into that first game. And seeing Hendricks come back out and perform will give, I think, a lot of fans, including myself, some relief to this pitching anxiety. So I think ultimately... Going out there, seeing Hendricks perform, seeing Darvish own in enough basketball command. Hopefully the offense can continue to do what it was doing by taking pitches, showing that selective aggressiveness that Theo always talks about, and just continue this this trend, so to speak, of of taking advantage of the opportunities they're given them, Corey.
1: Yeah, and just for clarity's sake, the probables for Milwaukee, Quintana, Hamels, Hendricks, in that order, just in case you're kind of trying to figure out where Jose Quintana fits in all of this after pitching in relief on Saturday, uh, he has been very, very good against the Milwaukee Brewers in his career, and the Cubs opting to get him his first start in that series. So, but looking at this at this Brave series, they are in the middle. Uh, I'm not sure how they're doing in this Sunday night game so far, but they are in the middle of being on the wrong end of the welcome to Philadelphia, Bryce Harper. These are the new Phillies party that's been going on. Uh, Reese Hoskins doing it to him in that first game. Bryce Harper with his first homer in the Saturday game. And as I look now, as we're recording this in the fifth, they are uh, losing again to the Phillies. So they're kind of, like I said, on the wrong side of that, here are the 2019 Phillies uh, in Philadelphia homecoming thing. So that stinks for them, but such is life. So, I, I, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty simple. Again, it, it it's early in the year, and I don't say that to write things off, right? These losses can matter. I just said that like five minutes ago. But I say that just to illustrate that, you know, we got to see these guys out there again. We got to see some of these guys, you know, we're getting Hendricks for the first time, and then we're going to see some of these guys get back out there again for uh, their second starts of the year. And, you know, the same with these bullpen guys, like you got to give some of them another shot and, and, and see what we're dealing with. So the, the the keys to me are that the offense continues to look like it did this weekend. Again, I'm not expecting them to put up, uh, you know, 10 runs a game or whatever, but I just thought the approach looked good. They were working counts. They were taking walks, slugging. You just want to see that keep up. Just this, the longer we can see this trend of this offense being back to that relentless just wear out the opponent's pitching staff, force the manager to be making early pitching changes, a, a, a hallmark of the 2016 team that I don't believe I've reminded everyone yet this episode, Brendan, did win the World Series. They did. So yes, always they did, good yep. to remember that. Especially after this weekend, if you want to feel better, just go go get yourself in one of those 2016 YouTube holes. It's the easiest way to pull yourself out. Of. I already did. Yeah, <laughs> I've been doing it while <laughs> we're recording. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but the 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 longer we see that, I think the, the the that is the most important thing for me right now for this team's success. The 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 end of last year and the way the offense looked just left a horrible feeling. I think for all of us made only worse by Theo's comments in that that offseason presser, and to see this offense look good, have that good approach, and be getting results is, I think, going to be the thing that really calms everybody down and says, all right, like we can try to figure out this pitching staff. There's ways to do that, but as long as this offense looks good and has this approach— I, I think we can settle into this season eventually and be fine. And I and I do just want to point out if you want to like watch just an amazing piece of hitting, watch the two strike uh, single that Rizzo had today. I mean, oh, he is God. so impressive in the dirt. with two strikes. But this one in particular, yeah. he goes down and gets a pitch and puts it in the outfield. Just an amazing piece of hitting. And then, of course, he comes back and blasts one later in the game. So that's always good to see uh, as far as... Uh, that's a good point, though, Corey. I, I do want to take a time to, to
0: to mention that. Like At this point last year, Rizzo was dealing yeah. with back injuries, and that did halt the Cubs offense to start April. So uh, that's that shouldn't be taken uh, for granted, I think, is Rizzo and KB having really hallmark performances. This is what you expect from them, which is great to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you, if you want that kind of like just example of why Rizzo is so good, I think that was, I think Sunday's game was a pretty good example of that. Though so was Thursday's where he gets on pace four times taking three walks. So he's yeah. certainly off to a much better start than last year when he was dealing with the injury that you just mentioned. So yeah, I look, this is a frustrating way to start this year, guys. There's, there's no way to, Sugarcoat that. and as I said I, I I think we're kind of doing a disservice to this whole thing if you just write it off as it's early, it's three games because again, we we did just come off a season where that kind of thinking in theory could cost them the division. But I do think it's important to remember like wacky stuff happens early in the baseball season. The, the, if if everyone was gonna shut it down based on how this first series went, us the Red Sox the Yankees we'd all be packing it up and calling it a day and I don't think that anybody thinks that that makes sense or is expecting all of those teams to not be good or the Orioles are now going to be a contender for that division so you don't want to write it off completely, but I, I think that how we kind of approached this podcast is how I would look at it. You, you, you take apart the bad and try to figure out what went wrong while also looking at the good and saying, this was really good. And I feel very good about this team. If a lot of this keeps up. So I think we just have to go into this brave series and. Hope that the pitching is better. I think it's really as simple as that. This pitching was just not good enough, not acceptable this weekend. And before we, you know, maybe get into the, the 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 bigger changes or a more concerted effort of panic, right? We we gotta see them get more opportunities. But for now, you just hope the offense keeps doing what it's been doing, and that the pitching you know, gets it together and, and just does not perform like that, because it, it it's obviously not a sustainable approach when you're walking this many batters and blowing a bunch of leads and just wasting these performances by the offense. But take it a series at a time and just hope that the, the effort is better in that Atlanta series.
0: Yeah, I think as, as in, this usually happens, but as we continue to record through this episode, my my anxiety my fear or whatever gradually decreases I mean just hearing those numbers Corey from the offense is a huge uptick I really I mean come on like seeing Rizzo do that and Baez do that and KB and Wilson and Schwarber everyone performed even Hayward even Hayward performed and Elmora looked good at the dish so yes and I did I did overreact I think to be honest with you I think I did but uh, ultimately, the way this team wins is having this offense click and unite at one time. And like Sahada from the Athletic said, like we've yet to see every one of these Cubs hitters click at the same time. Even in 2016, we didn't see that. So this 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 is at least for the start of the year, encouraging to see. And if that's something to get you pumped up going into this week and trying to make
1: you forget what happened with that bullpen. I, those are justifiable reasons to be excited. Yeah. So uh, again, it's uh, you know this isn't I, Thursday was exactly how you wanted to start the season. I, I, I really know. like – it and we said it like, oh my god, could you have asked for a better opening? Yeah, day? we should have just done the podcast after Thursday. Uh, it would I have know. been a lot we more up. fun, but huge mess up. This is uh this is what it is. So that that kind of is is the wrap up folks and then this is kind of the the format that you can expect for us going forward. We'll be back with you uh we'll record on Thursday night after the Cubs finish with the Atlanta Win. Braves. I certainly hope we have a more fun outcome to to discuss. Hopefully the Cubs can get to take two of three there before playing the Milwaukee Brewers. But Again, we, we, we record before and after every series, so obviously you're hearing this one on Monday morning after the Texas series, and as I just said, we'll be back with you after the Brave series, recap that Brave series, and preview the upcoming series with the Brewers. So That's kind of the format that we go through. As always, if you have things you'd like us to touch on more, things you'd like us to touch on less... Let us know. You know where to reach us. Uh, Brendan is at Cubs Related on Twitter. I'm at CF Cubs Related. You can DM us on Instagram as well. That is at Cubs Related. You can get to us through CubsInsider.com through our, uh, the general email there or their handles, uh, at RealCubsInsider, both on Twitter and Instagram. We have shortened the kind of way we recap the games. Kind of when we first started doing this, we went through the box score and, and the play-by-play a little more exhaustively. Uh, but in the past, you know, maybe year or so, kind of decided that a lot of you probably watch the game and maybe there's an easier way to get the recap if you couldn't than me reading through it. Um, but if you want even less of that, we can, you know, are amenable to that. If you want more, you may have to convince us, but we do love hearing from you guys. It's a show you guys listen to, not us. So we are are more than happy to hear you guys out on what you like, what you don't like, and a way to put more clearly, we want to be able to break things down for you in as clear and useful and enjoyable a manner as possible. So if there is something that you think we can do to achieve that, we're all, you know, our ears are open to at least considering it. But this is, I think, the general format that you can expect. So with that said, um, I hope everyone has a good uh, Sunday night, even though you're probably listening to this on, on Monday morning. I hope the rest of your Sunday was good, even though the middle of it was not so fun. And uh, we got to turn the page here. Let's focus on the Braves. Let's get some wins and, and get things going in the right direction here. So as always, we thank you guys for listening. We appreciate those five-star reviews on iTunes. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, all of the major podcast listening mediums. If you would like us to be somewhere else, we'll do our best. If you let us know uh, at the aforementioned handles and stuff. We will do our best to get on there, but uh, you can generally find us there. And all of the episodes are published to CubsInsider.com and are now available on the Cubs Insider YouTube channel. So if you are uh, someone who prefers listening to things on YouTube, there's not an exciting video. You don't get to see Brendan and I's beautiful, uh, glowing faces, which you know is unfortunate but we kind of we're withholding that from you for now but you can listen on YouTube if you like so hopefully we have that covered and there is somewhere that is easier for you to listen to this podcast but again we thank you guys for listening it's on to the Braves go Cubs
0: Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.